HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Hearst Ranch, the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. For more information, visit HearstRanch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Radio, radio for young farmers by young farmers about the experience of being a young farmer and the consequence. I am happy to invite today Devin on the show talking about being a, uh, a young one in the rangeland management department. Welcome, Devin. Hello, how are you? I'm pretty good. How about you? Doing swell, thanks. Good. Doing swell. I like that answer. <laughs> tell, tell me, tell me, where are you in the world, and what are you up to? Well, um, I'm currently in uh, Michigan, the High Five State, um, but I'll be moving just actually tomorrow. Be uh, taking a uh, position in New Mexico, in Silver City, New Mexico. Holy smoke! And when what attracted you to Silver City, New Mexico? Well, I, um, I've taken a job at a, a cow-calf operation that is, uh, has a large focus on environmental impact, and uh, I've been really interested in the operation due to my connections with some different uh, grass-fed co-ops and things, and so I've been lucky enough to be offered a full-time position down there and uh, take advantage of their, their outfit there. So tell me, what are you going to bring with you when you go down for this job? What's your what's your bundle of possessions that you're bringing? You have a truck? Do you have a dog? I'm sorry, I, I, I cut out from you there for a second. I said, what are you bringing down there with you? Are you bringing a dog or a truck or your own any of your own animals? What's your footprint as uh, a human on the move? No, I'm I'm going to be scooting down in a little sports car, uh, but for for uh, gasoline purposes, but I will be picking up a, a brand new puppy uh, for uh, a livestock guard dog, and I'll be uh, picking that up for him and bringing it down with me. So I'll have a little travel partner. Oh, 
I felt the puppy in your in your voice there. So, so let's talk a little bit about how you prepared yourself to be getting a full time cattle and uh, or cattle managing position, and um, and maybe that will be a useful thing for other people to to hear and learn how they can prepare themselves, etc. Sure. Well. Um... My story is a bit of a unique one. I uh, like to call myself a, a neo-farmer or an aftermarket cowboy. Um, I'm from a pretty suburban area uh, in the Midwest and uh, pretty cookie cutter. And I actually graduated from high school and then went out to Utah to go be a ski, ski bum for a little while and uh attended school there for um, filmmaking and photography. And after a little bit of dipping my toes into that industry, I got got pretty burnt out and didn't know that I was going to be able to keep up with that kind of a lifestyle. So I actually took a little bit of a hiatus and went out to my grandfather's uh, place out in uh, Livingston, Montana. Uh, and he doesn't have any kind of uh, agricultural things going on in his property, but I ended up getting a job nearby uh, just kind of as almost to fulfill that romantic need of trying to be a cowboy maybe. And um, turns out that uh, I really took to it and really liked it. So I worked for a little while in Montana, and I um, then I worked for uh, a couple of guys in Nebraska, and then eventually I decided I wanted to go back to school and um, – maybe get some supplemental information and uh, get some, some more uh, science-based things because of my interest in utilizing agriculture to have a positive net value on the environment rather than um, possibly a negative or zero. So uh, the, the science aspect and coming, coming to the fundamentals brought me back to school, and so luckily I'm just finishing up with that. And so uh, I guess... I am, like I say, I'm in a unique position. I, um, if I was to give any advice to anybody, I think that uh, first things first is uh, diversify, diversify, because um, you never know where you're going to land. I, I run into a lot of people at school who, uh, you know, grew up on daddy's farm and they know how daddy did it and how daddy's daddy did it, and that's kind of how they get set in their ways. And I think that a lot of us can agree that there is a intimate, uh, uh, there's a very um, obvious change coming about to happen in agriculture, or at least there needs to be, um, to sustain our population and to keep our earth healthy. And so uh, my experiences in, in seeing multiple operations and things really helped me to uh, kind of open my eyes and and see new things and how things can be done. So I, I think diversification and education is a, a really important thing. So I, I like that reference to the romance, and then there was a little bit of the science. Uh, I, I want to explore that romance with you because we are often finding uh, a rhetoric, especially now there's this kind of weird backlash PR campaign going on uh, that's very, you know, pro-GMO and efficiency and science and maximization and intensification and nutrition. And, I mean, there's this kind of bundle of uh, communication buzzwords 
that are arising. I see them. I see them poking up their little thistle heads in all these places. And so I wanted to, when you said that word romance, I wanted to see if we could explore some of the bundle of sentiments and politics that informed you in that early stage and how um, and how your thinking has kind of evolved as you've been, you know, not experiencing it in the abstract but really in person. Is that too woo-woo for you, or can you do it? I I think I think I understand. Um, I guess I uh, I definitely see uh, there's lines have been uh, drawn in the sand. I think a long time ago um, uh, with with things. Uh, I guess I say a long time ago. I guess probably in the turn of the century. But uh, you know with with this whole idea of awareness and conscientious consumerism, as I've heard it called, um, and uh, there's a there's a big disconnect certainly um, between producers and the consumers, and I I don't need to say that I think we all know that, but uh, I think uh, I have found uh, kind of a, a little bit of a niche in the romance. With, with the romance being balanced out with uh, quite a bit of science and also finding quite a bit of efficiency, and I, I find that in uh, holistic management. Um, I've done a lot of research and uh, study and worked with people that follow the guidance of Alan Savory and his holistic management uh, techniques, and they are uh, they certainly have brought me back to the roots of um even you know just the ideas of of utilizing pasture more often and and really using that as a resource and that you know that gets you on the back of a horse and that gets you outside and and gives you gives you more of a feel of that old cowboy uh scene um but at the same time uh the only way that we can make that work is through understanding quite literally from the ground up and regarding our cattle and our product um, to be definitely not the, the beginning of the system, whereas the beginning of the system starts with, with the soil and with the grass, and we move on from there. And that's, I guess, where we kind of meet up with the, we bring the two worlds together. It's they're very, at this point in time, they're very codependent, um, you can't really have the romance without knowing quite a bit of science and really understanding efficiency, um, true true efficiency, uh, rather than maybe just monetary efficiency. So this is good. We're on a good track here. Um, I uh, I really appreciate your your thinking and and you know it really calls to my mind uh, the way that. We operationalize our um, observations, and how different it is when you're when you're, on a, as you say, on a horse, out there watching, looking, watching, looking, moving, waiting, waiting for the cows to move, versus forcing the cows to the shoot all the time, and really only dealing with them in in a confined, stressed out uh, set of circumstances. Uh, could you reflect uh, a little bit, maybe, about 
about your your learning curve around watching watching animals? Yeah. Um, so, again, I guess I have to harken back to my unique position, and, and that is that I um, came at livestock with no knowledge. I, I in fact, um, didn't have any, I didn't even have a family dog, um, didn't have a cat, nothing. We, we didn't, I didn't have much introduction to animals. Um, and so I had, I have the um, hopeful disposition of having no habits and no, um, no, nothing to break and no preconceived notions. And so when I went to start working with, um, with animals and livestock, I, I think that, uh, my little tiny bit of fear <laughs> that I had at the start really helped because I, I was very aware of body language and, um, the emotions and, and the stresses of, of the animals around me. And I immediately recognized that, um, when it, when it comes down to it, uh, what's good for cattle is good for business as Temple Grandin has said. And, um, that's, that's kind of where I've, where I've landed. And, and knowing that if my, if the cattle that I'm working with are calm, I will both save time and my production will go up and, uh, my stress will go down. And it's just this idea of, um, you know, a holistic approach and, having everything fall into its natural order and then taking advantage of the natural order rather than taking cattle and forcing them to do this, that, and the other thing through grunts and yells and frustration. Um, and so I guess that kind of is my my really basic thoughts on working with agriculture, and I, I have said it a hundred times and I'll say it a hundred more, is is really what's good for cattle is good for business or what's good for your, you know, your hogs is good for business and, 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 and the rest. So, um, I take a really, uh, kind of Temple Grandin approach to everything when it comes to working cattle and, um, you know, deciding how their, uh, living quarters should be and, and how I should handle them. And even, even, um, what kind of, it even affects my thoughts on what kind of health program I, I'm going to have. Uh, so it's, it's, again, I have to continue to continually the, the common thread is, you know, the holistic view and um, the triple bottom, the triple bottom line of both, you know, all social and economic and environmental. And these things all end up weaving together like this perfect quilt um, that, that, bind together out of really and, and work together just so so well and when you lose sight of one of those three bottom lines it all falls apart and you end up having to you know overcompensate so if economic falls apart well then you have to overcompensate and then maybe your environmental environmental impact will not be as positive or or any of the any any of the mixture of the three bottom lines it's it's the importance of the three being equally important to you every day, every time you, even if you're fixing a fence, even if you're, you know, just moving cow from one 
pasture to another. It's really important to keep in mind that you have these goals and that every step you take toward the cattle is going to affect that. And then what about you? What about your health? What about the way that you're managing your own passage from pasture to pasture, from circumstance to circumstance? Um, You know, oftentimes in agriculture we become acculturated to a certain level of drama. Uh, You know, high-stakes game and a lot of things happen you can't control. And, you know, only 80% usually goes totally according to plan if you're lucky and all that kind of thing. So... Do you want to talk a little bit about your personal uh, management? And P.S., I think everybody's unique, right? Absolutely. Um, I, my, um, my, my way of going about it is, is mindfulness. I, I need to remind myself just as anybody else does. Um, I claim to be no kind of a hero, uh, but uh, certainly we all have moments when we get frustrated with with things and if that happens to be livestock that we're frustrated with or um or things of that matter we we can take it out on them and and we it my like i say my key uh kind of trick is just mindfulness and always thinking of um of of the the moment i'm in and it, it reminds me of an anecdote that i had heard a while back from a from an old timer, and I'm sure it's popular, but that is, you, you come along a, to, to a, um, an old cowboy, and he's sitting on the ground, and he's cursing his cuss and cussing, and he's got his horse tied up to a post, and you come up to him, and you say, what's what's the matter? Why are, why are you sitting down? He says, well, I, you know, I'm so frustrated with myself right now, but if I get on that horse, I'll, I can ru- ruin six years of training in 60 seconds. Um and so it's just kind of that uh, taking that personal responsibility to handle your own, control your own emotions and your own frustrations um, and not letting it affect your performance as best you can. Um, this is obviously easier said than done. Like I say, I claim to be no professional at it, but I am always, always in a state of uh, desire to improve my ability to be aware of everything in my surroundings and how my my um, emotions and my actions affect everything um, down the line. And so, when I if I can stay in the moment and I can really say, okay, objectively, what's the problem and what's the solution, and not dwell on any kind of mistakes I've made or anything that's gone wrong or unexpected, and knowing that there's nothing you can do about it in hindsight. That's I think that's key, and I think that we can talk about it a lot, but it takes a lot of practice. So, I mean, I I I am continuously I like to give myself a little pat on the back and kind of be proud of myself for maintaining that that mindfulness and really having an acute eye for the details and um, keeping my head cool and staying in the moment and. and Doing everything you can. Man, this is good. Cowboy Zazen. You can write a book about this <laughs> stuff, you know. Um, so I'm just aware of, uh, I'm aware of the spring and the funny weather we've been having, and we're, 
we, um, you're about to drive a long distance across the country, I thought maybe you could tell what you're looking at, what kind of rangeland you're coming from and going to, and, and what goes on there in the spring, flower-wise and um, brittle-wise, and, you know, just tell us what's well, going on on the land. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see the differences that I'm, that I will run into as I go across the country. Um, here I, I've, in school, they, they, they have a very heavy, uh, hand in, in talking about specific, uh, you know, this upper Midwest location where we have a lot of cool season grasses and, and we, we do really well in that manner. Um, however, we've gone through a really rough winter. And so I'm really interested, interested to see, uh, how things work down there, uh, with a, with a much more temperate climate. Um, you know, and, and I know that, uh, they're, they're looking at a little bit of drought from, you know, that's seeped over from California. And, um, but, uh, luckily the people that I'll be working with are, um, very intelligent, uh, and, uh, they both are, uh, have PhDs in, um, environmental and rangeland management. And so I'm excited to learn a lot from them in regards to, um, being drought resistant and being prepared for, um, any kind of changes in the, in the weather that we've all, we've all been seeing some radical stuff. And up here in the Midwest, we had a, a hard freeze and it was real rough and, you know, and like I say in California, of course, it's they're they're having a hard time too. So, it'll be interesting to see um, how that's affected, and I I expect a, a bit of a gradient as I go across the country, and um, I'm really excited to learn more about the local grasses and legumes and things like that. So, um, I can't speak much to where where they're at yet, but. Um, Hopefully, hopefully they're a little bit ahead of us on turning green because there's not much. I'm still looking at dark branches and still watching the ice melt in some places. So looking forward to find, finding spring down there in New Mexico. I, I find uh, there's almost nothing like a good road trip to reset my brain in terms of looking at the landscape. I really, really enjoy evaluating the land uh, you know, walking is really good. I like walking, but if you have to get somewhere, driving is okay. Absolutely. I actually, I had a I had a trip last year where we um, drove across the country and uh, ended up and then drove back. And we when we drove out, it was really fun to see how where people were planting already and where people were maybe not planting yet or had planted you know, a couple of days or a week before. And then on our way back, uh, we had spent some time out West and then we, on our way back, we started seeing corn come up. We started seeing the, the winter wheat really, really taking hold. And we started seeing it green up and it, it was, it's an amazing experience to see that gradient and that change, that gradual change as you go. And of course, it helps when you're going 70 miles an hour and you can compare things by the hour and things change. But um, I think that's a really great eye-opening experience. And I've always been a large proponent of traveling. I've been to all the states, so I, I pride myself in 
being good at it. So I've, I definitely appreciate uh, a good long drive myself. Well, there's, the, there's a lot of the same skills of being a, a talented traveler, of watching and adapting and, and, and not making a mess in a new household and being able to meet people, uh, be really present with the humans that you meet and, you know, kind of gliding through the world. Those are also really, I think, powerful skills that you can apply in a land management context and um, and in a kind of navigating your ag career context. A lot of those more human human interfaces. I don't know if you found Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Uh, so we haven't got that much time left, so I want to make sure that if there's something that's on your chest in terms of, you know, counsel... To new, to new rangeland interested humans or some of the lessons that you learned painfully or what you're really, really excited about or think we need, need, need more attention focused on, I want to make sure that you know that this is the time when you could pipe up on those topics. Well, I think the biggest thing that I'm really excited about is, um, is improving uh, Soil quality—that—that's a big thing for me. I—I I get really hyped up on that, and that goes back to the Alan Savory uh, interests. And and um, suppose I can plug him for him. Uh, he's got an amazing TED Talk. If people haven't seen it, it is great, and there's a lot of science behind it. Um, and I—I I really love the idea of improving soil quality to therefore improving your native species of grasses and legumes and things like that. And um, and then, therefore, um, increasing your ability to produce on the, on that existing land, and then, therefore, also increasing the um, environmental impact on a positive note. Um, and it kind of just all weaves itself together in a beautiful tapestry of, you know, if you if you can just make the soil better, then you're doing well, and you're going to see more water retention and less drought and, you know, less runoff and less erosion, and you're going to have more native species, and you're going to see a lot greener pastures, and you're also going to see a lot healthier animals. And it, it also leaves a really good scenario for those who do support um, and are interested in grass finishing and grass-fed beef, because um, in, in, in the areas where you cannot, where, it, where it's untillable, um, we have this great animal or this great function of the rumen uh, that we all kind of, re- I think we rely on and a lot of us unknowingly to to give us food from land that is otherwise not viable for creating um, food for consumption. And I think that's a really big interest for me is just really taking that land that maybe we can't plant for uh with vegetables and things that for human consumption and still being able to utilize it and really um, take 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 a lot from the earth but also giving back so much um, through good management and good practices and animal welfare and and all these things and that's that's what I get excited about and when it comes down to it it's as simple as you got to have good dirt so that's that's kind of my my whole goal and my whole uh, saying, and it's 
I think a lot about dirt and a lot about grass. So, and all my friends know it, and they get quite a, quite annoyed after a while, I think. But uh, hopefully, one day it'll pay off, and we'll be all saving the world with cows, and it'll be all hunky dory. Hunky dory with some sizzling steak on the grill. It's been a great pleasure talking with you, Devin, and I wish you a safe travel across this fine, redeemable continent of ours. And uh, may may the hoofs turn nicely. Um, behind your puppy. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time, and I uh, hope everything goes well in the world. Hope it's all going for everyone pretty good. We had a great time last weekend. The symposium that I've been talking about and talking about, well, it was friggin' amazing. And the podcasts are going up today, so you can download those from agrariantrust.org and sign up for the mailing list. Stay abreast of this continuing dialogue, this, uh, this platform for understanding our history, our context, the political economy, the social ecology, the labor economics of farmland access, farmland tenure. Uh, we have a long history behind us and hopefully a long future ahead. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.